This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. How to choose a productivity app. Let's talk about what is a productivity app. This is how I defined it. Your calendar, your reminder, or some people call them to-do lists, and your notes. Those three are what I'm talking about when I talk about a productivity app. Okay? So let's start with the beginning. First of all, you have to realize there is no such thing as the perfect productivity app. Actually, there's no such thing as a perfect app. We live in a fallen world. There is nothing perfect. You may call things perfect. It was a perfect win. My team beat the other team. There's no such thing as perfection on this planet. So when it comes to apps, get it out of your mind right now of searching for that elusive, perfect app because it does not exist. That's the first step. Once we accept that, once you accept that, then we can move on to the next thing, which is every device already comes with productivity apps pre-installed. Every smartphone, every tablet, every laptop, every desktop comes pre-installed with these apps, unless you're my mother who insists that Apple does not put these devices on the phone. Yeah, you ever do tech support for your elderly parents? It's very interesting. But every single device comes with these apps already. And I always tell my audiences, I tell my clients, I tell people on social media, and now I'm telling you, use or try to use what you already have, okay? Before you go to the App Store, look to see if what's already on your device will suffice. Now, these are not the greatest apps in the world, but they may work for you. And that's the important thing. Will they work for you? I don't care if they work for your Uncle Bob or your Aunt Stephanie. I care about if they work for you. If you're really decided it's time to get serious about your productivity and you want to start delving into the apps, look at what you already have first. Try them out, not for five minutes, not for five hours. Try it out for at least five days and see if that works for you. If it doesn't, well, then we go on to the next step. Only if you've already tried what you already have. Don't just skip over this next step because you don't want, you don't like the the, the icon. That's a pretty dumb reason not to like a, an app. So the next thing is you need to go ask your friends and your colleagues and the people you work with. Well, I guess that would be colleagues and maybe your neighbors and say, hey, listen, I'm looking for a calendar app or I'm looking for a to do list or I'm looking for a notes app. What do you use? And they're going to say, oh, I use X, Y, Z. Well, then ask them why. What is it about the app that you like? Because you don't want someone to say, oh, I use X, Y, Z. And then just go buy the XYZ app if it's a paid uh, app. We'll get to that in just a second. You want to know why they use it. And then ask them, hey, can, can I look at your, your app on your phone? I want to see if, if it, if it look, works for me. So once you ask your friends and colleagues and neighbors and whatnot what they use and why, that's part of your research. The next thing you need to do is go to your app store and look at the reviews. Now, a trick my my beautiful, lovely, ever-supportive wife has told me, when you're reading reviews, don't just read the four- and five-star reviews. This is a great piece of advice. Don't just read the great reviews. 
Go look at the one and two stars and find out why they didn't like it, like the app. Because what if they have a concern that is a concern of yours? If you're only looking at the four and five star reviews, but you're not looking at the one and two stars, you may get the app and go, this app stinks. But if you would have read the one and two star reviews, you might have found that that problem. Why did they get bad reviews? Is it cosmetic? Is it function of the app? Is it something that you don't care about? So make sure you're looking at the four and five and the one and two star reviews. Next up, go read some reviews online. It's really, really easy in this age to go to the internet and say, reviews, calendars, apps, 2017. Reviews, to-do list, 2017. Reviews, Notes apps, 2017, and read the reviews. Now, Google and Bing are not perfect. I've gone in and said reviews, calendars, 2017, and the second entry is from 2012. You want to make sure that you're getting the most up-to-date articles and reviews. Now, keep in mind, these are people who are just giving you their opinions. They may not agree with you, but you need to get their opinion especially if they're a productivity specialist, as am I. I would, I would give someone who is in that field more credence than I would someone who's just writing a review because they have to write an article. Does that make sense? Now, make sure that the, re- <laughs> make sure the review is not sponsored by somebody. You want to make sure it's an independent, unbiased review. Next, try it out for free. Now, there are paid apps. And there are free apps. Now, if it's a free app, you can download it, try it, don't like it, delete it, no big deal. A paid app, well, now you've got a little bit of skin in the game. You're investing some money. But I will tell you this. There's an old saying, you get what you pay for. And when you pay for an app, you're paying for somebody who really cares about that product. A free app, they may not update it regularly, but if you're paying for an app, chances are the developer really cares about what they're doing, and that's really important. Now, I don't have a lot of premium apps, but I have several. I have an app called Filmic Pro for when I'm recording video on my iPhone. It's a tremendous app. Cost me 15 bucks, worth every penny. Things 3 cost me $10 for iPhone. It cost $20 for the iPad version. cost $50 for the Mac version. They are developers and they have a right to make money. I have no problem shelling out money for apps that are great and well done. And I also have an app called Fantastical, which combines calendars and reminders. It sits on top of iOS reminders and calendars. I paid $65 for the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac app for that. So there is a time and a place to pay for an app. But sometimes you can just get an app for free and it worked for you. I believe in keeping things simple. If you think that all apps should be free, well, that's another conversation we need to have because when you go to work, what if your employer said, you know what? I think you should do your work here for free. You'd go, wait a minute. What do you mean I should work for free? You want to get paid. So why don't these developers have a right to get paid? They do. I mean, you're listening to this podcast right now. You're not paying me for it but it costs money to create a podcast. 
So think about that. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. Want you to think of something else. Oh, before I go on, I want to tell you why a lot of the apps are iOS and Mac only. Because I was curious. I'm a huge Apple fanboy. But I noticed that like uh, day one, things three, Fantastical are iOS and Mac only. So I reached out to developers and I said, look, I'm just curious. I mean, I bought your app. Nothing. I have nothing to gain here, but a little knowledge. Why don't you develop apps for Android and for Windows? And they basically said, because iOS is iOS is iOS, Mac OS is Mac OS is Mac OS, but Android's got so many flavors of operating systems there, they don't want the headache of creating the app. So a lot of apps are iOS and Mac only by choice. Don't get mad at me. That's just what they've chosen to do. When you're an app developer, you can certainly develop an app for any platform you want. Developer, it's a free world. They can choose to support whatever platforms they want to support. So that's a little aside. No extra charge for that. It's okay to combine two apps that do the same thing. You may be saying to yourself, why in the world would you combine two apps that do the same thing? If you got two apps, one does 50% of what you like and the other does 50% of what you like, maybe you combine the two. Maybe you can enter, the, maybe you, for example, you like the notifications for app B, but you like the interface of app A. Well, you can enter the information in app A and have app B give you notifications. It's okay to do this. There is no perfect app, but maybe, just maybe, you can combine two apps to get you as close to perfection as you possibly can get. Does that make sense? Now, what I want to leave you with on this podcast is, number one, don't forget there is no such thing as a perfect app, any app, productivity or otherwise. So stop looking for it. Number two, start with what you already have on your devices. Start there. That may work for you. Number three, start asking your friends and your colleagues and your neighbors, what do they use and why? Number four, check out the App Store reviews, reading not only the four and five star, but the one and two stars to get a full spectrum of reviews. And then try it out. So if you can get in the beta testing, it's a great, because you, you get the bugs, but you get the, 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 the cutting edge. Like I always do beta testing for uh, the Mac, and I always do beta testing for iOS. I love dealing with the bugs because I love the new interface. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.